Hello, active and inactive listeners, you monarchs here to behold the swelling scene. I'm Madeline Waddle, and this is my colleague and artist in arms, Dob. Hello. Today, it's more much ado about nothing. And to look forward as we give you the skinny on next season's directing finalists. Plus, we're talking art and art with the artiste himself, Claude Perkowski. Here on The Horned Moon Presents. The Horned Moon Presents broadcasts on 96.5 KMU. Meow. The cat. Bringing up-to-date arts coverage to Milford Haven, Padua, Verona, Elsa Nor, and the unincorporated area of Rome. Let's dive right in with this week's arts calendar. Tomorrow, you can join Claude Perkowski at his weekly night at the studio. This week, participants will be painting a still life arranged by Claude and featuring products from Valmont's Goats and Blooms. There is no cost to attend, but there is a minimum $40 purchase of Valmont products to contribute to the arrangement. Friday, it's the first of Neptune's Honey's monthly med- meditation retreats, a chance to rest and recuperate. Here's Pete with more. Life sure can be stressful these days. Take a load off at Neptune's Honey Meditation Retreat. All the benefits of meditation, plus that pure, golden deliciousness of honey. Take a sip of one of our handcrafted meads, close your eyes, listen to the buzz of the bees, and enjoy a guided meditation by local guru moth. Every second Friday down at the tasting room. At Neptune's Honey, we're mindful of the big stuff, the little stuff, and most importantly, the sweet stuff. I can't wait for that. If you've been down to Neptune's Honey, you know it's absolutely gorgeous. It is definitely a place to find inner peace. Also coming up this weekend, the Cattywampus Rumpus Room, winners of last week's Battle of the Bands, at the Athenian Stalls on Saturday. They're unveiling a new song cycle by Celia Tittle titled King Nutshell. And we can't forget that tonight, the Arden Community College's lecture series continues with you, Dob, presenting on personal responsibility in fiction. If I recall, Dob, you were quite adamant only weeks ago that you wouldn't be presenting at the lecture series. Well, color me shocked that Angus and Ben talked me into it. I made the mistake of discussing it with them over drinks at Filario's after Ben's talk, and they lit a fire under me. As you know, Waddle, I have a lot of opinions, and a sanctioned opportunity to get on a soapbox was something I apparently needed. You'll get no argument from me there. If I understand correctly, you're giving a talk about fictional characters that is grounded in objective evidence. Yeah, that's right. That's way above my pay grade. How can you be objective about the fictional? All will be revealed in the lecture. Can't wait to hear it. Besides Dobbs taking to the academics podium, the other big news this week is that Arden Radio Theater has already named their five finalists for directing the next show this summer. Before you head down to the Athenian stalls to place your bet with Wink, we want to give you the full scoop. Starting, of course, with our very own Madeline Waddle and her proposed production of Pericles. So obviously the first question on this has got to be, why not Lear? Lear is a wonderful play, obviously, but I wasn't entirely convinced it fit my sensibilities. But an international maritime adventure story is somehow more in your ballpark? 
a story of hope and redemption and the overcoming of obstacles was more how I framed it. All right. All right. That's interesting. But I don't think hashtag Waddle Pericles is as catchy as hashtag Waddle We're actually going with hashtag Waddle Okay. Now, you are the odds on favorite by Winks Reckoning uh, as well. So I hope it is safe to say that this is pretty much a sealed deal. I think that would be premature. The other finalists are all experienced art directors that bring a lot to the table. For instance, Jeffrey Baggett is back after a brief hiatus. Baggett was, for a time, the only art director and was last at the helm for 2019's Cymbeline. Baggett has proposed Richard III, which would fit with his general sturm and drang aesthetic. Baggett's installation as director would signal that ART is abandoning the more natural playing style that it's been developing over the last year, and it's returning to a more theatrical form. Another directing veteran with a hat firmly in the ring is Kim Purnell, helming the Merry Wives of Windsor. Purnell last directed Hamlet. After being quite a force with ART over the past few years, Purnell has been surprisingly silent the last few shows, neither directing nor acting. And also in the finals is Barry Straw. Uh. Waddle, you can't groan every time we mention Barry's name. It's unprofessional. Oh, hi, Pot. I'm Kettle. You throw yourself to the ground and gnash your teeth if anyone mentions your brother. That's because I have legitimate professional concerns about our radio station and about what he's doing to our venerable institution of ART. No, you don't. All your concerns are based off whatever weird, twisted sibling thing you've got going on between the two of you. Yeah, but at least I'm transparent about that. You just seem to hate Barry for absolutely no reason. I don't hate him for no reason. Then what? exactly is your problem nothing he's a perfectly nice man i just don't like his face good lord waddle you don't have to be mean about the man's appearance there's nothing wrong with his appearance i just don't like him okay from the first time i met him i knew we were destined to be enemies his stupid insipid smile and his friendliness and his cheerful attitude it all disgusts me and then then he has the temerity not to even recognize our ancient and visceral enmity and treat me with kindness and courtesy. Who does he think he is? Truly, your mind is a terrifying labyrinth. And Barry is my minotaur. He also pitched Pericles, and rumor is he wants to frame each of the different lands as different Arden County towns. Just like Barry trying to make ART political. Look. Obviously, I love me some Pericles, but sheesh, let's not put Barry in the catbird seat for that one. It doesn't have to be me. Just don't let it be him. I would like to see Barry's take on Pericles, personally. Not as much as I want to see yours. And I'm probably not the only one who's interested, as Barry is currently just behind you in the odds. But there is hope for something better, as Imogen Smythe suggested King John as her directing debut. A little-known play and an untested director. This might be a great production, but it is not a great bet. The ART board is unlikely to take such a big risk uh, during a time of continuing transition. I do have to somewhat agree. But the allure of roles like Constance and Blanche and the rarity of the play's production make this bid a compelling one. If the ART board does go this way, it will be upending the apple cart once more. 
And so far, all that cart tipping has really been paying off in dynamic productions with unexpected casting. So who's to say they shouldn't do it again? Well, Wink, if you're listening in Studio C, my money is still on hashtag Wadlicles. Mine too. And if it's not me, let's just hope it's not Barry. Or hope that it is. But for now, we're still in the midst of Much Ado About Nothing, continuing today with Mine I Love. up. I was about to get married to the boy I loved. I couldn't sleep the night before. I was so excited. It should have been a joyful day. Could have been, if Don John hadn't plotted otherwise. He was not the only one to blame. No, he wasn't. I didn't look forward to it, and I'm not proud of it. In fact, I don't think we even really need to go into detail. We do. Come, Friar Francis, be brief, only to the plain form of marriage. You come hither, my lord, to marry this lady. No. Uh, (laughs) To be married to her. Friar, you come to marry her. Uh, Of course. (laughs) Lady, you come hither to be married to this count. I do. If either of you know any inward impediment why you should not be conjoined, I charge you on your souls to utter it. Know you any hero? None, my lord. Know you any, Count? I dare make his answer. None. Oh, what men dare do. What men may do. What men daily do, not knowing what they do. How now? Will you, with free and unconstrained soul, give me this maid, your daughter? As freely, son, as God did give her me. And what have I to give you back whose worth may counterpoise this rich and precious gift? Nothing, unless you render her again. Sweet prince, you learn me noble thankfulness. There, Leonardo. Oh, Lord. Take her back again. Why? She's but the sign and semblance of her honor. (gasps) Behold how like a maid she blushes here, but she is none. She knows the heat of a luxurious bed. Her blush is guiltiness, not modesty. What do you mean, my lord? Not to be married. Not to knit my soul to an approved wanton. Dear my lord, if you, in your own proof, have vanquished the resistance of her youth and made defeat of her virginity... I know what you would say. If I have known her, you'll say she did embrace me as a husband and so extenuate the forehand sin. No, Leonardo! I never tempted her with words too large, but as a brother to his sister, she bashful sincerity and comely love. And seemed I ever otherwise to you. Out on thee, seeming. I will write against it. You seem to me as Diane in her orb, as chaste as is the bud ere it be blown. But you are more intemperate in your blood than Venus or those pampered animals that rage in savage sensuality. Is my lord well that he doth speak so wide? Sweet prince, why speak not you? What should I speak? I stand dishonored that have gone about to link my dear friend to a common stale. Are <gasps> spoken, or do I but dream? Sir, they are spoken, and these things are true. True. 
Oh, God. This looks not like a nuptial. Let me but move one question to your daughter, and by that fatherly and kindly power that you have in her, bid her answer true. I charge thee do so, as thou art my child. <laughs> oh, God, defend me. How am I beset? What kind of catechizing call you this? To make you answer truly to your name. Is it not Hero? Who can blot that name with any just reproach? Mary, that can Hero. Hero itself can blot out Hero's virtue. What man was he talked with you yesternight out at your window betwixt twelve and one? Now if you are a maid, answer to this. I talked with no man at that hour, my lord. Why, then you are no maiden. Leonardo, I am sorry you must hear. Upon mine honor, myself, my brother, and this grieved count did see her. Hear her at that hour last night talk with a ruffian at her chamber window, who hath indeed, most like a liberal villain, confessed the vile encounters they have had a thousand times in secret. Fie, fie. They are not to be named, my lord, not to be spoke of. Oh, hero, what a hero hadst thou been if half thy outward graces had been placed about thy thoughts and counsels of thy heart. Fare thee well, most foul, most fair, farewell, thou pure impiety and impious purity. Prithia, lock up all the gates of love. Hath no man's dagger here a point for me? Oh. Why, how now, cousin? Wherefore sink you down? Come, let us go. These things come thus to light, smother her spirits up. And then you left. It was all so ugly. I couldn't have stayed. So you left. How doth the lady? Dead, I think. Help, uncle. Hero, why, hero. Uncle, Signor Benedict, friar. Have comfort, lady. Dost thou look up? Yea, wherefore should she not? Wherefore? Why, doth not every earthly thing cry shame upon her? Could she here deny the story that is printed in her blood? Do not live, hero. Do not ope thine eyes. For I think thou wouldst not quickly die. Thought I thy spirits were stronger than thy shames, myself would, on the rearward of reproaches, strike at thy life. Believed I, I had but one <laughs> chit eye for that at frugal nature's frame. Oh, one too much by thee. Why had I one? Why ever wast thou lovely in mine <laughs> eyes? Why had I not, Papa. with charitable hand, took up a beggar's issue at the, my gates? smirched thus and mired with infamy, I might have said. No part of it is mine. This shame derives itself from unknown loins. But mine, and mine I loved, and mine I praised, and mine that I was proud of, mine so much that I myself was to myself not mine, valuing of her. Her. Sure, be patient. For my part, I am so attired in wonder, I know not what to say. I didn't know your father said that. Yes. I never wanted that. Even if I meant to hurt you, I didn't want that. Oh, on my soul, my cousin is belied. Lady, were you her bedfellow last night? 
No, truly not. Although until last night, I have this 12 months been her bedfellow. Confirmed! Confirmed! Would the two princes lie? And Claudio lie? Hence from her. Let her die. Hear me a little. For I have only been silent so long and given way unto this course of fortune by noting of the lady. I have marked that in her eye there hath appeared a fire to burn the errors that these princes hold against her maiden truth. <laughs> Call me a fool. If this sweet lady lie not guiltless here under some biting error. Friar, it, it cannot be. Thou seest that all the grace that she hath left, that she will not <laughs> add to her damnation a sin of perjury. Lady, what man is he you are accused of? <laughs> they know that do accuse me. I know none. If I know more of any man alive than that which maiden modesty doth warrant, let all my sins lack mercy. Oh, my father, prove you that any man with me conversed at hours unmeet, or that I yesternight maintained the change of words with any creature. Refuse me, hate me, torture me to death. There is some strange misprison in the princes. Two of them have the very bent of honor. The practice of it lives in John the Bastard. I know not. If they speak but truth of her, these hands shall tear her. <laughs> if they wrong her honor, the proudest of them shall well hear of it. Pause a while, and let my counsel sway you in this case. Your daughter here, the princes left for dead. Let her a while be secretly kept in, and publish it that she is dead indeed. What shall become of this? What will this do? She dying, as it must be so maintained, upon the instant that she was accused, shall be lamented, pitied, and excused of every hearer. For it so falls out that what we have we prize not to the worth, whilst we enjoy it. So will it fare with Claudio. When he shall hear she died upon his words, the idea of her life shall sweetly creep into his study of imagination, more moving, delicate, and full of life than when she lived indeed. Then shall he mourn. If ever love had interest in his liver and wish he had not accused her, and of it sorts not well, you may conceal her in some reclusive and religious life, out of all eyes, tongues, minds, and injuries. Signor Leonato, let the friar advise you, and by my honor I will deal in this as secretly and justly as your soul should with your body. Being that I flow in grief, the smallest twine may lead me. Tis well consented, presently away, for to strange sores strangely they strain the cure. Come, lady. Die to live. This wedding day perhaps is but prolonged. Have patience and endure. So I left my wedding in mourning. But the end of our romance was the beginning of something else, or so I'm told. Lady Beatrice, have you wept all this while? Yea, and I will weep a while longer. I will not desire that. You have no reason. I do it freely. 
Surely I do believe your fair cousin is wronged. Oh, how much might the man deserve of me that would right her? Is there any way to show you such friendship? A very even way, but no such friend. May a man do it. It is a man's office, but not yours. I do love nothing in the world so well as you. Is not that strange? As strange as the thing I know not. It were as possible for me to say I love nothing so well as you, but believe me not, and yet I lie not. I confess nothing, nor I deny nothing. I am sorry for my cousin. By my sword, Beatrice, thou lovest me. Do not swear and eat it. I will swear by it that you love me, and I will make him eat it that says I love not you. Will you not eat your word? With no sauce that can be devised to it. I protest I love thee. Why then, God forgive me. What offense, sweet Beatrice. You have stayed me in a happy hour. I was about to protest I loved you. And do it with all thy heart. I love you with so much of my heart that none is left to protest. Come, bid me do anything for thee. Kill Claudio. Huh. Not for the wide world. You kill me to deny it. Farewell. Terry, sweet Beatrice. I am gone, though I am here. There is no love in you. Nay, I pray you let me go. Beatrice. In faith, I will go. We'll be friends first. You dare easier be friends with me than fight with mine enemy. Is Claudio thine enemy? Is he not approved in the height of villain that hath slandered, scorned, dishonored my kinswoman? Oh, that I were a man. What bear her in hand until they come to take hands, and then with public accusation, uncovered slander, unmitigated rancor. Oh, God, that I were a man. I would eat his heart in the marketplace. Hear me, Beatrice. Sweet hero, she is wronged. She is slandered. She is undone. Beatrice. Princes and counties, surely a princely testimony, a goodly count. Oh, that I were a man for his sake or that I had any friend would be a man for my sake. But manhood is melted into curtsies, valor into compliment, and men are only turned into tongue and trim ones too. I cannot be a man with wishing, therefore I will die a woman with grieving. Terry, good Beatrice, by this hand I love thee. Use it for my love some other way than swearing by it. Think you in your soul that Count Claudio hath wronged Hero? Yea, as sure as I have a thought or a soul. Enough. I am engaged. I will challenge him. I will kiss your hand, and so I leave you. By this hand, Claudio shall render me a dear account. As you hear of me, so think of me. Go comfort your cousin. I must say she is dead. And so farewell. So I was to die so to speak. I was to be killed. Our romance had turned tragedy. Hoo boy! The tension is ratcheting up. I am digging this play. Today we talk to Claude Perkowski, but first here's the line of the week. You dare easier be friends with me than fight with mine enemy. Mention the line of the week at the Morning Lark Diner for half off the waffle of the week. 
This week's waffle is the Beatrice, a rosemary waffle served with clotted cream, a rich and tart cranberry curd, and fresh blackberries. They should have called it the Waddle Waffle, but that's just me. And here they are, Benedict and Beatrice, Claude Prakowski, and my co-host, Madeline Waddle. Hiya, Dub. You guys, this was so good. I was so impressed. That wedding scene, such a roller coaster ride. Tell me all about the process. Well, it's been it's been quite a, a new thing working with Mason. I'll tell you what, he really brings something different to the table. And each week we, we've allowed ourselves to really dive into this play and really live in this world. And the wedding scene is no joke. I mean, that I mean, uh, Benedict is sitting there and just thinking, what is happening? What is happening? I've got to say, Claude, I've always been impressed. I mean, I know you're not one for long silences on the radio, but you can still feel your acting through the microphone, you know? Uh, I think our audiences really get a lot from you being a silent presence. I'm glad to hear that, Dob, because I tell you what, I'm doing a lot behind the mic. I'm it's, I'm not just sitting there like a dead fish. I'm really actively living in this world, kind of like watching a tennis scene, but it's, you know, in a church and they're getting married. And Waddle, I think this is uh, the least you've talked about your experience as an actor, and it's definitely your largest role. Well, it's honestly so intimidating, and I just want to keep the door to criticism firmly shut. But tonight's scene was really the big one for me, the one I've been worrying about, and I I really felt good about it. Like uh, Claude, like I felt his presence behind the mic. I felt like we were just hitting the ball back and forth. It was a fantastic experience, and I'm just that much more excited to be back in the studio again next week. Do you think you're relaxing into it a little bit more now that you're past the big lines? I don't know that you ever relax into it. I think the the tension just becomes uh, more pleasant. And how is it playing off of each other? I don't think you have in quite a while at this point, but obviously you're both old hands at ART. How has it been working together? It's been lovely. I mean, I I love working with Waddle any chance we get. I just love it. You know, anything we can do, anytime we get the chance to to shoot quips back and forth at each other, I just, I feel it deep within my soul. And it's something I look forward to when we get in the studio. I mean, I can only second that. And I just feel so incredibly lucky that while I was making this giant leap of faith with this role that I got to act opposite one of ART's true stars. I really wonder about that because obviously we have the two old hands playing Benedict and Beatrice and the younger inexperienced couple in Mason and Phoebe. Um, And I just wonder how much of what we're hearing is attributable to uh, Mason as a director and how much is just a really good group of actors, maybe except for Mason, doing what they do. Well, I'll tell you, the answer to that question is a mini time fork. Time one, good casting is good directing. That's it right there. I mean, Mason did the right job by putting the right people in the right place. Time two, Mason really dissected it with us beat by beat. I mean, gasp here or laugh there or, uh, you know, a little ha or hoo, ha he, you know, those things that you add in there. It's shocking and it's sweet and it's it's a it, it, it's a roller coaster, and you can't get where you're going without traveling through all the twists and turns. 
Time three, it is a superb group of actors, and that does a lot of the work, right? If you have good actors behind the mic, you're going to get good stuff out on the air. Time four, Madeline and I have such a great working relationship. It's, it's so good to be able to mentor her and really bring her up into the ranks of the other actors that have worked for ART and, and really get her to emerge from her shell. You know, I'm slowly cracking it open to find the pearl that's hidden in the soft, squishy inside. And time five, Mason had a very specific vision for the characters, which was different from the norm. He did talk about that a little bit on the show. How is that manifested in either of your individual approaches to the play? Well, I think it's important to not just do the same thing over and over again. Obviously, these plays have existed for hundreds of years, and I thought it was great that Mason brought in fresh new ideas and was like, well, what if we tried it this way? What if we do it like this? And to me, that's what keeps Shakespeare from being buried along with his body, right? It's the act of doing new things. And uh, Waddle? Well, I do think early in the process, Mason just made a very astute observation to me about Beatrice when he, uh, you know, we always focus on how smart and witty she is. And he asked what uh, she might be hiding by that. And so getting to play that more as a suit of armor that's protecting that soft, squishy inside that Claude mentioned, that was definitely something I could play and play much better than I think the stereotypical idea that the two of them like to fight. That's, that's just weird to me. So if that's the case, then why does she refuse the prince? That seems really odd. I mean, me too. Who would say no to him? He's got it all. Looks, oodles of charm, a thriving hun in an Italian kingdom. If I was Beatrice, I would never go for Benedict over him. So maybe Mason steered you wrong? Uh, not at all. I mean, you see, Dob, the thing with Beatrice and Benedict is they've been playing these parts, the, the funny friend part for so long, it would be impossible for them to be with anyone but each other. That's why they pick at each other. It's that closeness that they've had with each other for so long. And Don Pedro doesn't love her, no matter what the narration may lead you to believe. I mean, he only wants her to perform for him, to be his little pet bear that dances on command and claps cymbals. I don't know if I quite agree with that, but but there may be something to that. Well, I mean, maybe that is just like the, the framing of the narration that really brings that in, um, which is another way that Mason really thought outside the box. We haven't talked about it much yet, but how has that worked? Or has it worked? Well, it's a little mawkish, isn't it? I mean, but it also seems to be so intent on shifting the attention away from Benedict. I mean, how could you look at anyone... And and Beatrice, Benedict and Beatrice, of course, and it puts that focus on to Claudio and Hero. And I think we have to ask if that's entirely the right route to take to give the, the B plot so much attention. I mean, really, are people tuning in to listen to Hero? I mean, come on. <laughs> I do think there's an argument to be made that Beatrice and Benedict are the B plot. I mean, it's even in their name. Oh, nonsense. I mean, I think you have to look at what's really important in this story. And it's, it's not a juvenile love story. It's me. You know, it's who I am. It's what I do every day. And again, let me just say, a lot of the credit does go to Mason for trying something different and, and for really going for it. I, I was as skeptical as anyone about these changes, but I think they are, they are all for the best. 
I'm really surprised to hear you say that, Claude, because you keep talking about how specific he got with you. And from what I've seen in the rehearsal rooms in the past, directors tend to give you kind of full free reign, don't they? They do. And you know what? I At first, I was like, hey, Mason, I know what I'm doing here, buddy. But as I worked with him, I realized he was helping me to open doors. You know, many directors have just said, hey, figure out the labyrinth on your own. And labyrinths are hard. You know, Mason was like, hey, maybe you could try going this way. Or what if we went back the way we just came? And I think in those things, I was able to see it wasn't that complicated of a labyrinth after all. Um, and you didn't even really initially audition for the show, did you? No, not at first. I, I mean, I, I, I always want to be a part of ART when I can, but I just, I don't know. And Mason, he, he wisely called me in for a callback anyways. I mean, you know, anyone around here that doesn't call me back is really, they have to consider what are they doing to their show, am I right? Uh, but this disruption can be so difficult on a, a delicate artistic temperament like mine. And, and what with my studio's conflagration last year and all these changes with ART, I, mean, I simply wasn't sure I was up to the challenge. But again, I am so glad I girded my Speaking loins and went your for studio, it. The rebuilding process is over and you're back to hosting nights at the studio. And most importantly, you're creating the primrose path with the green folk. What can you tell us about that collaboration? Well, first, I would just like to say it is great to be back in the studio at nights doing doing the portraits. We're doing a still life coming up. Uh, make sure you get all of your products in so you can work on the still life. Uh, and as far as the primrose path with the green folk, I just really felt called to mentorship after my experiences with Angus and Pete last year in Mackers. You know, having the opportunity to get put with these two little hard crusted jewels that just needed to be sanded down so they could shine. And with all this experience and talent that I have in me, I feel it must be shared. I, I, you know, I feel like if I keep it to myself, that's, that's doing no one any good. And so as Benedict might say, the world must be peopled with artists. So it's really that impetus to share my gifts, to share all of this magic that I've got burbling inside of me. And and by sharing those those gifts, it drove me to this partnership. Well, it's such an ambitious pro project. It spans a huge landscape, and there are just so many facets to it. What are you exactly hoping to achieve with it? I want a transformative experience for everyone, really. Anyone that's involved with it, I just want them to feel like they have transformed into the new them. You know, if you were curling your toes last week, then you know that it has raised your awareness for the little delights in life. And if you follow our protocol for involvement, I believe you will see your personality blossom in many ways. Uh, and then the physical installations will transform our little county aesthetically into something of real visual interest. I mean, the, the amount of people that are going to want to come here just to see this, I, it's going to change Arden County as we know it. We're manifesting magic in the most prosaic of places. Amazing, simply amazing. I'm so excited about it. I loved curling my toes last week. It was a great experience. I loved being involved even in that small amount with the Primrose Path, really looking forward to what else um, I'll be able to participate in. Uh, can you share with our listeners what the latest participatory piece of the work might be? I can. Uh, we're asking everyone to find an unexpected place to dance and dance in it at 2 p.m. on Friday. 
And we're looking to create a communal aesthetic experience through the intersection of movement and architecture. Uh, film yourself and share on social media if you can. Uh, we really want to spread this energy as far as possible. And that goes for everything involved in the Primrose Path. I mean, it doesn't, it, it isn't just about Arden County. It's about humanity everywhere. Well, I, I might caution our listeners to stay away from the Lycordia number nine as far as, uh, as far as where they might go as an unexpected place to dance. I mean, obviously Wink has run into some issues over there. Uh, do you care to comment on that? Well, I'll just say this. You know, it's rough out there, but it does give me the opportunity to continue work that I've always found important, and that's working with prisoners or people that are going to be prisoners. And I feel like bringing art into places of uh, this degradation and, and just un, unbelievable darkness is a chance for us to really show these people how to shine in their real lives. And I understand that you have agreed to understudy the rules of Don John and Dogberry just in the unlikely event that uh, Wink's court appearances do interfere with the production. Is that the case? I have offered myself up to that. I'm willing to understudy any part. And, and generally, when I come into a uh, audition process and go through a show, I like to let the director know if at any point anyone is to have to leave the show for any reason, I am more than happy to take on more roles uh, and show off more of my characters that I have living inside of this shell of mine. Let you play the moon too, am I right? That's right, the moon and the sun and the stars and the wind. <laughs> so what is next for Claude Perkowski as far as ART is concerned? Are you planning to play the uh, the wind of Pericles or the buck basket of, uh, of Merry Wives of Windsor? Uh, you've heard the short list of directors and shows. What, what's tickling your fancy? Well, I mean, of course, sitting here, if Madeline were to direct, I would be so pleased. And Pericles is a role I've always wanted to investigate. I've always wanted to dive into that role and just see what's in there. Uh, but then who doesn't want to play the scheming Duke of Gloucester or Sir John Falstaff? I mean, the opportunity to, to play a drunk that's just having fun with as many women as possible. Who doesn't live for that in their life? Am I right? And, and so... A uh, few of us are blessed with the talents to play all of them like I am, right? I mean, again, it could be, look, if, if Madeline wants to go a different way, we could take this as a one-man show, Pericles, and I can really open it up. Um, of course, uh, King John would be his own challenge, as so few of us are actually familiar with the play. Uh, and I think anyone in that state of directors could use me to help prop them up, right? Anyone of those directors that puts me in one of their shows, it's really going to help lift that show to the next level and and i also will have the opportunity to guide newcomers through the process and be a reliable rock for the veterans and like i said able to fill in with any roles that need filling with so much art experience i'm curious claude why have you never considered directing yourself <laughs> uh, no no i mean I could direct if I wanted to with my breadth of knowledge, but I feel that I was meant to be behind the mic, right? I was meant to really deliver the lines, not be behind the scenes. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that whatever the play or director, I will be there ready to lend my talents to that project. Well, we're running out of time. So on that note, we best ask tonight's Shakespeare question. Are you ready, Claude? Always. All right. And tonight's question comes from Love's Labor's Lost. 
How shall she know my griefs? How shall she know my griefs? Well, the answer to that is through dance, through art, and through love. That's how she'd know my griefs. And she would feel them deeply, all of them, my dancing deeply, my art deeply, and my love deeply. We're going to be back next week with the next installment of Much Ado About Nothing and an interview with the founder of the Devil's Charter Digest, Lucretia Page. Until then, this show is our show. And these dogs are my dogs. (laughs) We're Waddle. And Dom. And this has been The Horned Moon Presents. The Horned Moon Presents is written by Merlin Cusell and directed and produced by me, Marshall B. Garrett. Merlin plays Waddle and I play Dom. Our guest this week was Nick Christensen playing Claude Prakowski. Our music is by J. Andrew Dickinson and mixed by Eric Bostick. If you love spending time in Arden County as much as we do, the best way you can help us keep making the show is to get your friends listening to it. If you've already rated and reviewed, why not tell your friends about us by participating in the Primrose Path? Film yourself dancing in an unexpected place Friday at 2, and tag us when you share it on your socials. Now fare you well, for now our show is done. Until next week, Hero shuns the sun. Ours be your patience, friends, and yours our parts. Your gentle ears lend us and take our hearts.